I am not a conspiracy theorist, but has the federal government been buying up your freedom with your own tax money? Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Today, the U.S. Senate votes on H.R. 1, cleverly titled For the People Act of 2021, which sounds rather magnanimous, but come on, isn't everything Congress does for the people? So if the framers of the bill have to cover it with a shiny coat of paint, shouldn't we be looking a little more deeply? Well, Thomas Sowell has been encouraging me to do just that. But first, a word about H.R. 1. If you're not familiar with this piece of legislation, it is a massive voting registration reform bill. The bill's 800 pages long, and the House has voted on it and passed it twice since the Democrats took control of the House in 2018. And they're so intent on passing this legislation that they may even work to amend the Senate filibuster rules. So I'm asking myself, how did we get here? Well, Thomas Sowell offers a very interesting perspective on that question in his book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice. And the book is actually four essays that Sowell stitches together and puts under the title of his opening essay. And it is so good. Now hang with me. This is going to take a couple of minutes. In his first essay, The Quest for Cosmic Justice, Soul outlines the premise of the book, which is this, that this quest for what we call social justice is often a bigger quest for one's personal ideological interpretation of what should be in the world, their sense of cosmic justice. But the problem in his view is that their personal attempts to create their ideal equal results or equal prospects is often done with little or no regard for whether the individuals or groups involved are in equal circumstances or have equal capabilities or even equal personal drives. And to pursue cosmic justice, it's not good enough that everyone is treated equally under the law, but actually these folks must create categories of people entitled to various outcomes. Hence, we begin to hear about the advantaged and the disadvantaged. Now, in his second essay, The Mirage of Equality, Sol addresses the challenges we face when we try to pin down that word, equality. And Sol makes a great point. Look at geography, look at history, look at people, look at efforts. There's nothing equal out there. Now, the third essay, The Tyranny of Visions, emphasizes how cosmic visions give those who use them uh, kind of a sense of self-congratulating power, and it gives them the moral high ground from which they can look down on those who differ from them. And that brings him to Essay 4, The Quiet Repeal of the American Revolution, and it brings me to H.R. 1 and the For the People Act of 2021. Sol writes this, In politics, the great non-sequitur of our time is that, one, things are not right, and that, two, the government should make them right where right all too often means cosmic justice, trying to set things right means writing a blank check for a never-ending expansion of government power. And then Sol emphasizes, but what is far more important and dangerous 
is that there is little sense of the institutions and traditions which produce the enormous social and economic good fortune of Americans, and therefore little or no sense of the dangers from letting those institutions or traditions erode or be pushed aside for the sake of some political goal of the moment. Sowell writes, and essentially what he says is when ideological crusades, whether from presidents or Congress or judges, trump constitutional government, the American Constitution will be quietly repealed. That is, the rule of law is people being treated equally under the law. And when that is superseded by an ideological vision of people receiving equally under the law, when that bias takes over, the principles of the American Constitution will be, and Sol would say, are being quietly repealed. Now listen to what he says about how this occurs. Among the American constitutional barriers to the expansion of federal government power is the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. In other words, the federal government may do only what it is specifically authorized to do, while the people or the individual states may do whatever they are not specifically forbidden to do. This barrier against the centralization of power is one of the fundamental protections of freedom and epitomizes the spirit of the American Revolution. In the absolute monarchies of old, or the dictatorships of the twentieth century, all power flowed from the center, with regional or local governments being simply subordinate units of the central government, rather than autonomous authorities with their own areas of exemption from the power of the national state. This deliberate splitting up of a country's political power by the Constitution has been one of the bulwarks of individual freedom and democratic self-government. Unfortunately, no constitutional provision has been more consistently eroded or more blatantly ignored in the latter half of the 20th century than the Tenth Amendment. So after working my way through that, I looked a little more closely at H.R. 1. And to get it, just type H.R. 1 text in your search engine, and you'll find a link that'll take you right to the governmental website. So here's what it says, Section 1017, Payments and Grants. In general... The Election Assistance Commission shall make grants to each eligible state to assist the state in implementing the requirements of this part or, in the case of an exempt state, in implementing its existing automatic voter registration program. B. Eligibility Application A state is eligible to receive a grant under this section if the state submits to the commission at such time and in such form as the commission may require. And you say, dude, <laughs> and you say, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that, as I read it, is that the movement to curb the state's power seems eerily familiar to what Souls did back in 1990s when he published this book. Let me give you a little more of the good doctor's words. So deeply ingrained was this new tradition that there was consternation when, in 1995, the Supreme Court ruled that carrying a gun near a school was not 
interstate commerce. The justices split five to four, and most editorial comment centered on whether it was desirable to allow people to carry guns near schools, not on the nature of constitutional government. The fact that most states already banned the carrying of guns in or around schools, and that all states have the authority to do so, meant that the real issue was not the safety of children, but the scope of federal power. Unfortunately, the scope of federal power was no longer an issue for many Americans, since the Tenth Amendment had quietly been repealed by judicial erosion. So this first setback in decades for the blank-check interpretation of the Interstate Commerce Clause caught many people by surprise. Moreover, the fact that this was a five-to-four decision meant that it might turn out to be nothing more than an isolated blip on the screen of history, rather than the beginning of a restoration of the constitutional principle of limited national government power. Since the 1960s, federal government power over states, private institutions, and individuals has expanded far faster than the pace made possible by the accretions growing out of particular Supreme Court cases. Crucial to this whole development has been a vast expansion of federal aid to innumerable activities, from highway building to university research and from urban redevelopment to hospitals and adoption agencies. With this aid has come conditions, typically modest conditions at first, and then, over the years, increasingly detailed, restrictive, and arbitrary regulations. Thus, the federal government can prescribe the color that fire extinguishers must be painted in state or private buildings, or whether private child care facilities must hire people with communicable diseases or mental illness. You know, I've said many times on this podcast that my intention is not to share the book, but my learnings from it and to encourage you to buy that book if you want to dig deeper. And that's the case with the quest for cosmic justice. Buy the book. It is so good. But some concepts take a little more time to trace, and this is one of them. So a little later, Soul writes, Schemes to extend federal power into the nooks and crannies of local and even private activities are never publicly advertised as expansions of federal power, much less erosions from the Tenth Amendment, but always in terms of the wonderful goals they're said to achieve. Universal health care, investing in our children's futures, ensuring a level playing field for all, etc. As many have warned in the past, Freedom is unlikely to be lost all at once and opening. It's far more likely to be eroded away bit by bit amid glittering promises and expressions of noble ideas. Thus, hard-earned freedoms for which many have fought and died have now been bought and sold for words or money or both. And my aha moment was when Sol made this summary statement in the middle of his final essay. In short, the federal government has been buying up the freedom of the people with the people's own tax money. Now, I like Sol. He never says, so do this. No, it's as if he says, so think and act accordingly. And I like that. Think and act accordingly. 
I'm not saying everyone who's out there working on HR1 has diabolical intentions. That's ridiculous. At the same time, it is on us as citizens to think and to act. And maybe that'll mean picking up HR1 and giving it a look. Maybe it'll mean contacting your senator's office. Maybe it will mean pushing back on the so-called For the People Act of 2021 and talking to your senator about it because senators are, after all, for the people, right? Well, that's my thought on my walk with Thomas Sowell and his powerful book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice. Now, my question is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? 